Welcome to another episode of Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm here to connect you with some of the greatest thought leaders, authors, artists, musicians, you name it, people that are making a major difference here on the planet. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by somebody that I've become a big fan of listening to his podcast, Mindfulness Mode. Bruce Langford is in studio joining us and speaking all about his work in the field of mindfulness and meditation. Before we get into the conversation with Bruce today, I wanted to just send a big thank you and shout out to those of you that were able to attend this week my book launch here in my hometown of Winnipeg at McNally Robinson Booksellers. For those of you that don't know McNally Robinson Booksellers, get to Winnipeg and check this place out. They've got a really, really great collection of books, and they feature a lot of authors and musicians that play music in the store. They've got a great restaurant in there. I love going there. In fact, sometimes I'll even schedule a day off just to go sit in this bookstore and read. It's, uh, it's really a special place. So this past Tuesday night, I had my book launch there, and it was just so overwhelming. I walked in, and I could just feel the love in the room. There was all sorts of friends and family and community there. And I gave a talk and played some songs from my album, Shine. It was just really such a special night, something I'm going to remember forever. And uh, it's just so encouraging to me to see. I mean, there was standing room only in the venue. And it's just so encouraging to see so many of us wanting to bring more mindfulness into our life these days at a time where we're so bombarded by all the outside noise and distraction. I've really noticed this lately, especially in my travels and my talks, that at the end, a lot of people come up to me and, and share their stories about mindfulness or wanting to bring mindfulness into their life. And I, I think we're really living in a time where all of us are really yearning for more connection and just more clarity. So it's, um, it's quite beautiful that we're, we're living in a time where we're seeing this shift slowly starting to happen on the planet. And uh, if Tuesday night was any indication of it, I'm feeling really, really encouraged that we have a, a community of people that are coming together to celebrate each other and to connect with each other and to find ways to go inward and, and connect and bring more balance and meaning into their lives. So way to go, everyone, and thank you for being there. Uh, I also wanted to mention this is a really, really exciting week besides the book launch. I've been working on a project for the last two years, and this week the project is now ready to launch, and I'm putting it out into the world. It's a brand new online course that basically is a deep dive into the principles around my book, Making Sense of Mindfulness. So the, um, the whole course is a compilation of video tutorials, audio guided audio exercises, and um, quite an extensive personal workbook that you download as a PDF. And as you're going through the course, you, uh, you do the exercises and then you reflect on, on what's come up. And I'm just so excited to share this with you because it really is, I think, some of my, my best work. And I tried to create this in a way that feels like we're working together. Like, although it's, it's through the internet, it, it feels like we're working together in person and um, will hopefully give you lots of new insights and learning and growth. It's over six hours of content. Um, a lot of people that have purchased the course are asking, do I have to do this course like right away or how does that work? And what I love is you can take this course however you choose to. Um, there's no expiry date to it. So once you have it, 
you can go back and do this course as many times as you like, and you can also do it in whatever order you like. You might find there's a certain guided audio exercise that really taps you into connecting to that place that you need to go, and um, it's just feel free to, to do it however you like. It's uh, timeless, so check it out. I, I'm also running, uh, because it's a brand new release, a special and early bird pricing on this right now. So if you're listening to this podcast in the year 2018, it's right now the month of December. So um, before December 22nd, 2018, the course is priced at 129 Canadian, which is the lowest it'll ever be. Um, the course originally is priced at 229. So this is quite a, a big savings and an opportunity to right away bring some mindfulness practice into this busy season that we're entering into for a lot of us. So let me know what you think of the course, and I'm just really excited to, uh, to birth this into the world as well. All right, uh, without further ado, let's uh, go a little deeper into some mindfulness right now and, uh, and visit with our friend Bruce Langford here on Let's Connect. I'm sitting in a downtown cubbyhole <laughs> in the middle of Toronto, and um, making friends with a, somebody that I listen to all the time on his podcast, uh, Mindfulness Mode. Bruce Langford's here. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Keith. It is great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on your show. You've got a terrific show, and I'm honored to be on it. Thank you. I think we're like mutually just having this moment <laughs> of honoring each other's work in the world. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you're right. It's great to meet up. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm learning so much about you just the second you walked in today. Um, I, I, I want to start with, I'm just so intrigued by the music part of you. I didn't realize that you were a, a music teacher at one point, and then you said a church choir director at one point. How did this all begin, the music part of your journey? Oh, yeah. Music was always a big thing for me. And from the time I was a little kid, I was like all about the music. My aunt would come and visit. My She was my like my mother's aunt, actually. So she was this old woman, and she would come and she'd sit down on the piano, and she would chord. And I thought that was the coolest thing, you know. And uh, I thought, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to play the piano. And I just kept asking my parents could I take piano lessons and then I did start taking piano lessons when I was nine so music's been a huge part of my life wow is that ever amazing and so you play piano and do you sing as well yeah you do that's yeah. incredible and so the journey I, I love how people tend to start in church yeah. that's where I got my start too was oh is the, it in the church bands yeah and uh and then it went from there and then you became a teacher a yeah I teacher. did I became a music teacher and uh, taught music for a long time taught all the band instruments and and taught choirs and all that kind of thing and absolutely loved it. Wow. It's great. Have you, like, I know that a lot of your work in the world, and especially with the podcast, is around the practice of mindfulness. Yes. Have you found correlations between music and mindfulness? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I just think music is a great way to, to help us connect, help us connect with each other, help us connect with ourselves. Absolutely. That's cool. And are you still playing music? Yes. Yeah. Out publicly? Uh, not so much publicly now. And uh, I don't do the, the church music work like I used to, but I did that for a long time and directed choirs and, you know, wrote music for them and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I really love music. I love this. I love how spirit just has this way of, like, synergizing people together. And we're here talking about music. We've, I mean, we've just met in person, and it's like looking at a mirror as we're, we're speaking. And um, this has been quite a transformational and transitional time for you from what you've been saying. You've been through a lot in the last couple months. I'm just curious if you'd like to share some of what has happened over the last little bit. Yeah, I have been through a lot. I've shared some of this on my own podcast, Mindfulness Mode, and uh, just that 
back in at the end of September, I was invited to speak at the the Zen Consciousness. Uh, what was it called? Zen Consciousness Summit, and it was yeah, it was uh, it was pretty amazing being at that event and speaking and meeting all the other people that were speaking and and just all talking about consciousness and what life means and what death means. You know what what was it like before we were conceived, and what happens after we die, and you know what is this all about with us as human beings here and and living on this planet is pretty fascinating so I totally loved being at that event and yeah while I was that at that event yeah there was uh, some stuff going on that that did cause me to go through quite a big transition yeah and that was that uh, my uh, my friend and a lot of times I started talking about my friend because that's the way I thought of her. And she was mm-hmm. a much older lady and she was a musician as well. And and uh, I'd been helping her with uh, diabetes to get her onto insulin and helped her to get uh, uh, some eye surgery so that she could see better. And I was just, you know, talking to her pretty, mel- pretty much every day and, and just helping her along and so on. And uh, so when I was at that conference in Georgia, she actually passed away. And when I came back from the conference, I was the one to find her in her apartment. So that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty uh, emotional. And, and uh, also, you know, the part of it I didn't mention was that I'd been married to her and yeah. she was my ex-wife. So there were a lot of um, emotions there. Yeah. But we had uh, certainly made amends and we had talked in depth about, you know, what happened and why we were no longer married. And we forgave each other for, you know, for all that water under the bridge and everything else. And mm. so, yeah, it was... It was a very emotional time, and uh, then it was up to me to arrange the funeral and to clear out her apartment and to go through all that. So all of October, I was doing that, and wow. so, yeah, it's been quite a time. Just hearing this story, I mean, there's so many details I can imagine that come up for you around this, but this is a woman that you were originally married to, and if I understand right, then you remarried, and it was mutual, like you both agreed to disagree with the marriage you were in right you got married again and just the um, the dynamics of what spirit put in your path here where you're with your current wife yet your ex-wife is asking for support and help and you guys just open your heart and support this woman well and she didn't even ask for support or help she wasn't really even asking for it i found her and i thought oh man like she's really in a bad place And she didn't have anybody to help her, to support her. And I thought, like, I need to do something. And I talked to my wife about it. And she's like, yeah, I'm I'm 100% behind you. And they actually became friends. And they would go out for lunch and they would talk and, you know. This is unbelievable. Like, this is a rarity to hear that kind of um, harmony happening in relationship in that way like was it always like that with well you guys? i was just going to say i think i think that's part of what mindfulness does i think that if you totally embrace mindfulness yeah 
and you totally believe that, you know, we're meant not to judge each other mm-hmm. and we're meant to accept things as they are in some ways. Right. And be open to what the universe provides, then I think it changes the way we we perceive situations. Unbelievable. So I, I know there's people listening, I, I suspect, that are most likely going through hardships around relationship, you know, dealing with, is this the right partner? This person doesn't love me anymore. All the, all the Pili Kia drama that comes with that. And just in terms of applying mindfulness in those situations, what have you learned? Like, what are, what are some specific things that you would offer advice to, or maybe just some tips on, on how to like navigate through those waters of making well, I, relationships harmonious? Again? I think one of the things I've learned is that we are all on a journey. And I mean, we all hear that all the time and it's cliche really, you know, to hear that. But the fact is we are all moving through our own struggles. We all have all had our own challenges and that is what results in us being where we are right now. Yeah. And it's very important that we can have empathy, that Mm -hmm. we can have acceptance and therefore have forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the most important things to learn in life is to learn how to forgive, Mm. how to forgive others, but by doing that, learning how to forgive ourselves because that's what holds us back so much in life. Oh, I'm just, I know this is very spontaneous, but I'm just going to step over here. This morning, just before you arrived, I was, um, for those of you listening, I've been in this little cubby hole. It's at my friend's house in the basement, and uh, I'm in Toronto. I'm doing some speaking events, and he's letting me stay in his basement. So we're down here in the basement right now, And so this morning I had a makeshift meditation in this very random little basement. And I opened up this book from um, Catherine Ponder. Are you familiar with Catherine Ponder? I'm not, no. She's um, she's just an amazing writer. And she has this book called The Dynamic Laws of Healing. And this morning, the first thing I um, was reading was this thing called The Surprise Law of Healing. And basically, just to kind of paraphrase it, the Coles notes, she was saying... um, you must, it was all about the surprise law of healing is actually forgiveness, is what she was saying. You must forgive if you want to be permanently healed. When you bypass forgiveness, you pass by permanent health. And then she just said, the surprise is in how many people try to find their way back to health without first cleansing their emotions of the cause of their disease. Oh, wow. Isn't that That's so powerful. And I so totally believe that. Yeah, I think so many of us are holding these these things and we're not able to forgive. We're not allowing ourselves to forgive. And it takes work. Mm. The thing that I heard you say was that if we if we don't forgive, like to paraphrase, um, like we, we hold on to it, basically. Yes. yes, we do. So it's like in order to forgive so that you can let go. So and I honestly can... think that's where a lot of our our sicknesses come from. A lot of our cancers, a lot of these, you know, rashes or whatever manifests itself in any given person. I think so much of this is because of of this that we're holding on to and not able to let go and forgive. Wow. Yeah. The physical body in relation to what our thinking is and what's happening in our lives, like how our physical body holds on to that memory if we don't release it. But that can be very, I'm just so blown away by the story of you and just how you move through these stages of forgiveness to the point where you would be of service to your ex-wife to help her in, in times of struggle. It's just unbelievable. Um, another piece of this that's really just to me mind-blowing is you're the first to discover her after she passes away. What was that like for you? 
Well, it was devastating. It was, it was, it was very devastating. Uh, I don't want to go into a lot of the details about how I found her and everything, but she was in her apartment and she did have a look of peace huh. on her face. Wow. And I just, I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. It was just like, I said to my wife, I, I don't remember the last time I've cried, you know, because I think as a man in our society, we hold on, on to things we hold back. We don't, you know, maybe I just hadn't had a real reason necessarily to cry but i mean someone else i loved a lot two years ago died and yet it was completely different that was that was my wife's mother Mm. and she passed away right there with us she said well she asked for all of her family to come and she had a a message for each one of us Mm. that she had thought of and then she was she was ready she had made the decision and it was the time basically and she was ready and she said i'm so glad jesus is coming to get me and she hadn't been particularly like she went to church and everything but she wasn't like that person that you thought oh man like she's really religious or anything like that right. but what she was was she was very much a planner and her whole life was planned and she did things very meticu- meticulously and she went to exercise club and she did all these things that that rationally made sense wow and then the end of her life came and and she was ready for it and she it was just like man talk about dying peacefully <sighs> and, and in the way it was all supposed to happen and i had this incredible peace about it and i didn't feel a lot of sorrow i felt this incredible happiness for her Mm. and so i had to be careful because not every family member felt that way which you know obviously we all feel differently right yeah and i felt i mean i felt sad of course i did yeah but i didn't feel like overwhelmed with sadness right i felt it was just incredible that she had lived this long full life well into her 80s and then she passed away when she was ready to more or less you wow. know like unbelievable like the, the this experience of death um and these experiences of death that you've encountered lately especially what's your perspective currently on that i mean no one really knows what happens it's such a mystery it is but just in terms of your perspective of it, what, how do you see it? What does it mean to die? What is this all about? I, it's such a big topic. It is a big topic. And I think it's simply a transition. And I think we make so much more out of it than it needs to be. Huh. You know, I think that we, you know, some of us have such tremendous fear and, you know, trepidation about what is coming. Yeah. And yet it's not something that we should have so much fear or trepidation. Now, that's easy for me to say. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're still here in this form. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, the night after I found my my ex-wife and friend, I I had this dream, and it was so powerful. First of all, I was in this, having been a teacher, this wasn't surprising, I was in this store, Scholar's Choice, buying things for my classroom. Okay. And I was buying red and green streamers. And I was putting them up and all these streamers all around it. Then then all of a sudden my ex-wife was there and she was laughing and smiling. And Well, afterwards when I was thinking about the dream 
and uh, you know, I've I've talked a lot about dreams on my show. Yeah, you have. And uh, you know, one of the things that I learned is that you know, just sit with that dream when you first wake up and think about it, and think about the mood and the feeling, and and jot it down or record what, what went on in the re- and I did all of those things, and in this dream, my ex-wife was saying, you know don't be don't be worried don't be concerned it was so easy the transition slipping from this world into the next place it was just easy it wasn't a struggle it was just and you know uh, us uh, it was just so fleeting wow that it just all happened and now i'm in a great place and one of her favorite times was christmas and then oh. I realized that's why the red and green streamers, like she just loved you. Christmas so much. And there was this mm. incredible piece about this dream. And I I hadn't actually told my wife about the dream and how, you know, she was saying to me, my ex-wife was saying, oh, it's all okay. It's fine. I've transitioned. Don't worry about it. It was just like, just the easiest thing in the world. Wow. And now everything's great. And my, my wife said, oh, Bruce, I'm so glad you told me that, Ugh. that you had this dream. And I think I was probably uh, emotional about it, and that's why I didn't tell my wife at first, you know, just because I... Yeah, you had to process it. I I'm had guessing. to process it, yes. This is a, something that I'm thinking about as you're speaking is um, dreams. And in terms of dreams, like some would say that it's our unconscious mind processing memory and experience and trying to make sense of it in its own symbolic type of way. Yes. Um, and then others, I'm just curious, like to be visited by your ex-wife after she's passed in a dream state. Um, what, what is that? Is that, is that you doing that unconsciously or is that her actually somehow spiritually showing up? What, what's your take on that? It's just such an, maybe, maybe a combination of the <laughs> two. Yeah. I don't know. And, and the thing is it was not, it didn't freak me out or it didn't make me th- feel strange at all I just kind of accepted it and thought about it and thought about it and I did think about it a lot wow but I've had quite a few dreams since then because it's been about a month and a half now and you know I'm still thinking a lot about it and what it all means and Mm -hmm. like now there's all that space because I was helping her a lot and I was taking her on appointments and I was buying her groceries and I was doing all these things to help her so now there's a lot of space yeah. opening up. Right. So I would suspect in that spaciousness, there's like this processing happening under the surface. Yes, in I'm the, sure there is. Right. It's interesting with mindfulness practice in this way. Do you find sure. where we just have, um, we carve out time, if we're doing it formally, yeah. where we're just being and not doing. And in that beingness, it's like we get these insights and deep dreams and awarenesses from whatever that source is. Yeah. I think that's connected to everything. Oh, I do too. And I'm yeah. I'm reading a book right, right now uh, which is all about entrepreneurship and business and you know, hey, you know, you should be doing every something every minute and you know, you should <laughs> always be doing social media or always doing this Isn't or that always stressful? doing that. It's like, and oh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that doesn't fit with mindfulness at all. I know. Although I want to succeed in business. I want to be, you know, I want to spread the word of mindfulness with people. I love being a speaker. I love coaching people. I love doing all these things. But at the same time, there's a there's a time and a space. And right now it's kind of like me just 
accepting mm. the world the way it is and being okay with not having you know 25 speaking engagements scheduled you know I'll, that <laughs> that will come right yeah there's so much it's an interesting time to be in the world of mindfulness because it like you're saying it's so counterintuitive to how a lot of the world is right now with the, that's right the speed of everything the technology what's what do you do to um maintain your mindfulness practice within all of that do you have any sort of formal things that you're doing or how do you how do you integrate mindfulness into this busy world oh well i always meditate i meditate every morning and that that's just something i do as routine and it's just incredible because it it gives me it feels like it gives me space and Mm. it gives me peace yeah and then i can move forward and then uh, you know, if sometime in the day I feel stressed out or feel any level of anxiety, I just go, oh, great, I've got a tool. Mm. I can just relax. I can close my eyes if I want to or not, you know, and I can just meditate right here and now. I could be standing in, in line in a store or whatever. I have no reason to feel anxiety or stress. And what, what when you say meditate, because I know a lot of listeners uh, ask me about this, they're like, what does it mean to meditate? Like, I don't know what that means. So what's your process just to kind of give some insight to that? And it does mean different things to different people. Of course. It really (laughs) does. different things. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it just means to, like for me, I just go to this place in my mind. I just uh, become calm, breathe, you know, make sure I'm breathing. And sometimes I shut my eyes. I mean, when I'm doing formal meditation, I I do close my eyes. Mm. I like to sit in a way that my spine is is pretty much straight yeah because i feel like there's a flow in my body that takes place you know when my spine is straight uh and then i just uh relax and and sometimes i use a mantra Mm. to just focus on one thing and it just gives me a tremendous amount of relaxation and peace and i often use insight timer the app oh it's a great app yeah it is a terrific app so i I like to use that but i almost always do silent meditation i used to do more like with maybe nature sounds things Mm. like that which i enjoy and i and i do a meetup group so i lead meditation with them and so i usually have some some background going on with that when i do a guided meditation for for the attendees oh that's amazing i love i love that you mentioned insight timer for those of you listening that haven't checked that out, it's just an amazing app full of free meditations that can really help you just be guided into this place that you're referencing. Yeah, and I've put uh, some meditations on it myself, so you can find my own meditations on there. Oh, that's great. People have reached out to me and said, well, you know, the one about sleep, that definitely worked. I didn't stay awake very long. <laughs> some people tell me I have this voice that puts them to sleep. So <laughs> That's wonderful. You know, one of my mentors, Wayne Dyer, uh, right. used to speak about his voice in that way, too, yes. where he'd put people into almost a trance-like state. Yes. But there's something really powerful about our voice. Um, For sure. In terms of when we're meditating or when we're being guided. Yes. Where there's just um, like a healing that can happen on the, the voice too. Definitely. I pick it up as you're speaking. It's just uh, as you were talking about meditation, I could feel my physical body relaxing. Mm. What's going on there? I think I'm actually a healer and I haven't really embraced it yet. Really? Yes. Oh, say more. How do you know? I, I love this. I just feel, I think it's partly from interviewing so many people. Right. And some of them are healers and some of them have told me a story of how, you know, they never realized it. 
but then they started to discover, you know, they were with someone and they talked to them and maybe put their hand on their knee or something. And, and then that person went just a minute, like, wow, what just happened? And, you know, I get that sense from some people that I talk to that I have a very calming effect on people and, and maybe to the extent that, that it could be a healing thing. Because I think the thing is, like I said earlier, a lot of times these ailments that we have that we're suffering from are as a result of we're holding on to things. We're not able to let go. We're not able to, you know, forgive and I've learned how to do that, and I've learned how to help others do it. Mm. So I think that's part of what healing is. Yeah, there's a real theme of that in you, this this forgiveness. I keep getting this quote coming in as we're speaking. Um, I think it was Mark Twain that wrote, uh, forgiveness is the fragrance that the heel sheds. Uh, no, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that crushed it. Like this idea that... Oh. Even when you get crushed or when you get slammed, it's like you have no choice but to just give away like this fragrance of whatever is love, peace. And of course, you're going to be hurt or injured, but it's like this this crucial choice in that forgiveness process of just, okay, I'm going to choose this so I can let it go. It's just this theme keeps emerging as we're speaking, this forgiveness theme. I love it. Well, I think it's a big part of bullying prevention, and I've worked in that for so long. And I think that you start to realize that sometimes people who feel bullied are holding on to so much that if they could just let go of some of it, they wouldn't feel bullied anymore. Can you share a little more about what you've been working with in that world? Because that, that is actually really amazing what you're doing. Yeah, back while well, I was a teacher in a school, and uh, I just noticed that some of my students were being picked on being bullied and I thought this should not be happening you know something should be done and so I decided to start a musical anti-bullying program and I just sent out letters to schools and I and and the funny thing was I didn't have the program I didn't I hadn't written the songs I didn't have anything I just had the concept wow and I created a poster and I sent it out to the schools basically saying you know if you could hire me to do this would you and I had an overwhelming response and then I had two months to create the program write the songs create the tracks and then I went out there and I I started doing programs and I've done uh thousands and thousands of them now because that was 2003 that's a so what does a program look like this is so cool so it's a musical program well it's a musical program and the thing was i thought well you know if you're teaching about bullying and bullying prevention you can't just walk in and start talking to a bunch of kids and say okay you know listen to me you know this is you know stop doing this stuff you know it's just not how kids work and it's not how any of us work at all so i thought i've got to got to create a concept something that will capture them and how about how about if i create an alter ego i'll be this crazy dj i'll be this you know and it'll be like it'll be a radio station i'll be going in with my radio station we'll be doing live on location uh show and uh i'm the crazy dj and i'm jumping around and i'm silly and i'm singing songs and i'm grabbing my saxophone and playing a song and that but i'm teaching concepts about bullying and then when we go on commercial i'm like hey like every radio station we give out prizes to people that can answer the skill testing questions (laughs) about bullying you know (laughs) this is so fun and it was fun do they get broadcast anywhere like the radio part of this um 
just uh, videos that I put online and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I love doing the the lot the live program so much that I just did it and did it and did it four days a week for years. That is for awesome. years and years and loved it so much. You know what I really appreciate too is that you had the vision and you act as as if it was happening before it even happened. That you yes. said. Tell us, can you speak a little more about that whole concept of um, like manifesting and creating things in the world, how that and, works? Well, it, it's so incredible because, you know, so many of us and me included, you know, I think of an idea and then, okay, what's the first step? How do I do this? How do I create this? And that's completely backwards for me because then I get stuck and then I'm like, I get onto another idea or whatever. But right. with this... I had the concept, I created the poster. I thought, yeah, it's got to have music, it's got to have drama, it's role play, yeah, all this stuff. And then I created it, but the thing was, I booked it. I had all kinds of schools booked and I had no program. Wow. And so I knew that on September 5th of that year, 2003, I had to have a program. I didn't have a choice. That and cool. I didn't, I had never read this in a book. I'd never. I'd never thought about being an entrepreneur. I had never researched it or anything. I just did it. Wow. I don't know how I was moved to do it. I just did it. I just thought this is something that needs to be done. And then later people said, oh, you started a business and you started, and how long did it take you to make money? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I just did it and they paid me. Like, That's amazing. <laughs> you know, I wasn't trying to make money. I was just doing the thing, you know? Wow. I'm so appreciating how that creative spirit just almost takes you over. And moves you into these zones. I mean, the even the invention of um, or the creation of your your podcast, mindfulness mode, as well. I mean, can you share about how that came together? Because one of my favorite, I listen to that all the time when I'm driving to yoga, and I just I, I want to know the background of that. That's podcast. so awesome, Keith. I'm so honored that you like my show. That's I great. love your show. Well, yeah. you see, I would be traveling to do all these speaking events at the different schools or whatever. I'd be on tours, and I had an assistant, and she was my driver, and she set up all my equipment, and she was my roadie, basically, you know. And and then I'd be I'd be writing my blog, and I'd be listening to podcasts. Yeah, and you know, more and more and more, it became crystal clear. Wow, if you can teach kids and their teachers about mindfulness, then bullying will just start to diminish. Wow. It will just diminish. Yeah. And so then I thought, well, why don't I start a podcast about mindfulness? And I could interview people from all over, and that would be really cool. And But where will I find the people to interview, I thought, <laughs> at first, you know? And that didn't last long because I have people like five or six people at least contacting me every single day who want to be on my show. Wow. And I just can't keep up with all the requests. That's know? unbelievable. And like highlights of the show. How, how long has this show been going on too? Uh, since August of 2015. So. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah, about three years. And and just in terms of the diversity of guests that show up, like can you share a little bit about well, that? That's one of the things I wanted. So in my tagline, I, I put something about interviewing people from all walks of life who find success through mindfulness. And when I say success, I mean they find peace or they find whatever works for them. They find what makes their life good. Yes. You know, and because I think it doesn't matter whether it's a famous person or a wealthy person or whoever it is, I think we can all benefit from mindfulness yeah because it doesn't matter whether you have a lot of money you can be super stressed and a lot of people with money are super stressed yeah i know that but if you have mindfulness and you truly understand mindfulness and you embrace meditation and this kind of thing 
meditation, maybe in whatever form it takes for you, mm-hmm. then you can definitely um, benefit from this and you can have this peaceful life mm-hmm. of calm and happiness and achieve incredible things in the world. Mm. And so I just wanted to share people who fit that description, share that with the world so that you can realize no matter who you are, where you are, what you do, mindfulness can work for you. Absolutely. What what do you find are like the, the common themes that emerge in all these interviews that you've done? Like in terms of what people have discovered or entryways to that? Like it's, uh, do you find common themes? Yeah, I do find common themes. And, and one of them is that everybody thinks of it differently. You know, it's just not like a cookie cutter thing. This is what mindfulness is. This is what meditation is. Yes. Because for some people, meditation is, you know, taking a hike in the mountains right. or mountain climbing or surfing or whatever. Or maybe it's knitting, you know, maybe it's not even something that's physical. Yeah. You know, for you, it's knitting. And every day you sit down and you knit something and that's <laughs> your mindfulness. But maybe you never thought of calling it mindfulness and that doesn't matter. Right. It just is, wow. And why is it so important? Like, why are we hearing this buzzword, mindfulness, and hearing people trying to access this right now, do you think? Because there's so much pain. There's so much pain in the world, and there's so much anxiety, and people are searching, and they're searching for peace, and they're discovering this word. They're discovering the word meditation. Some people discover the word meditation, and they're not that comfortable with it, and they think, oh, I don't know about that. But mindfulness and mindfulness meditation is something that everybody can do, and it can dovetail with any religion. It doesn't matter whether you are religious or you are not, and it doesn't matter what religious persuasion you follow at all. It makes no difference because mindfulness can serve you, and it can give you that peace and that content and happiness as well. How does it do it? How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you're asking because well, you've written the book on mindfulness. I, I That's so know funny, pre- Keith. I'm, I know. Well, I'm just I'm kind of playing interviewer. Here I know too. you are, but of course. I, I want to hear your perspective on it too. Yeah, I know, and it it is. It's a great question, and it just happens because, for one thing, I think when you start just start believing that you deserve peace. You deserve happiness. You deserve contentment. And then that's like the first step. And then you think, where am I going to find it? Oh, mindfulness. Oh, the breath. Mm. And then you start with the breath, maybe. A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And you start with the breath. And you're like, oh, well, meditation, maybe that would help. And then you've got the breath and you've got Mm -hmm. meditation in whatever form serves you. Then you do that. And then you hear about mantras. And you're like, oh, Maybe that could work for me. And then you start using mantras. And then you start layering these different tools. And you start realizing all of a sudden, that oh, my life's changed. I used to have more anxiety in my life, and now I have more peace. Right. And so those are things that mindfulness can do for you. Absolutely. And the effect I've noticed when people do tap into this place is it's not just them that benefit, but the whole world around Absolutely. them is yes. affected. It's like this energetic shift in consciousness that yeah, happens. It is. And, you know, I think we're in a self-centered world where we think, oh, that would be 
that would be kind of greedy of me to put myself first and to look after myself. I need to be looking after other people. But of course, in fact, the opposite is true. Yes. It's not greedy to look after yourself. It's, it's incredibly helpful to the world, to the universe, to everyone that you come into contact with. If you're taking care of yourself and you have found peace and contentment and happiness and mindfulness, you are going to be sharing it with everyone mm. that you come into contact with. Absolutely. Back to the uh, the piece around bullying and one of those entryways that got you into all this. Um, I have a lot of teachers that listen to this podcast in particular, and I know that bullying in the schools is somewhat of an epidemic for a lot of them. They see it. And just if any teachers listening uh, and bullying and advice you might give to them about how to deal with bullies in the school and how to, how to shift that whole concept of bully. Like, how does that work? Well, I think the first thing is to listen. Listen to the person who seems to be like the worst, meanest, nastiest bully. That person has a voice. That person has something to share. So listen to what's happening. And if you open up space for listening, yeah, then that person, you may start to see that person differently and they may begin to see the world differently because sometimes, somehow then they're realizing that someone's listening mm. and just from that, it begins to change everything. But I think that's the first step. We have to be open and accepting and understand that it's just not black and white. You know, there's these three people who are bullies and then everybody else is just having to deal with it. And it's just not that simple. Right. You know, totally. Bullies are having a rough time. They are doing these behaviors for a reason. Yeah. And they, they're crying out for help a lot of the time. Yeah, trying to get attention. Yeah. I find just thinking about bullies, I find that word intimidating. Like if I was a teacher confronting a bully, my own insecurity pops up for me. It's like, oh, I don't really want to deal with this problem child because it might stir stuff up in yes. me. Like It's like without unconsciously knowing this. Do you see this kind of thing happening? Yes. Yeah, and, and so how do you, and you're saying be open or listen. How do you cultivate a practice of that? I know you're going to say mindfulness, <laughs> but, but what would be like an entryway for somebody that's like trying to deal with a difficult person in their life, whether it's a bully at their school or beyond? How do you cultivate a practice of listening without judgment? Well, I think you listen to yourself first. Oh, yeah. Okay. Say more on that. That's listen, cool. listen to yourself because we've all got we've all got these messages happening. We've all created these stories. Mm. We have these stories in our head that you may or may not realize they're going on, but start to notice them and start to categorize your thoughts and think about, oh, is that thought going to serve me? Right. Or is that thought not going to serve me, you know, and start thinking about this. And if you start noticing this about yourself, you'll notice how opening up space for yourself is something you can also do for others. And if you're a teacher, if you're a teacher, you can create a quiet place just by your demeanor, just by the way you are, you know. If I go into a classroom, and I go to a lot of classrooms, if I go into a school and I go into a classroom and there's a teacher in there that's yelling and accusing and, you know, putting people down and that kind of thing, then I just think, oh, man, I wish that person could just back up, mm. breathe, and 
and just give space and allow everybody to feel respected. Oh, wow. Because respect is such a huge part of it. And a lot of us don't understand the word respect. Yeah, what does it actually mean to you? Well, back when I was first starting my program, I realized that, you know, my first program was called Stand Up Against Bullying. And then I thought, yeah, but I've got to teach respect because it's respect is really what this is about. If you teach kids to be respectful and to understand respect, mm-hmm. then that can be a really positive thing. But what is respect? Right. So I started. So I thought, well, to figure this out, I better start a program. And then that's <laughs> going to force me into figuring out what this is, you know. And I did tons of research and I wrote songs and wow. I called the program Stand Up for Respect. And respect is about connecting with your fellow human beings first of all Uh connecting with them being able to take the time to look into their eyes and to realize that as as people we're all one yes you know we're all in this universe together we're all one and look into the eyes of a of a person and say you know that could be my son that could be my father. Mm. That could be my sister or my daughter or my mother because we all are related. Mm. And I think that respect is starting there, having that kind of acceptance for each other, whether you're meeting somebody that's in prison or you're meeting somebody who has has been cruel to someone in their life or whatever it is, whatever's gone on, they are still a human being, mm. and they they got to that point for a reason. Yeah, things unfolded in their life, and they suddenly ended up in a place. And who of us didn't suddenly end up in a place? <laughs> <laughs> we're all in a place. Yeah, we're all point. in a place. Yeah. And I think it's uh. understanding that and believing that, and and being the person that can just be accepting. Wow of others and i think that's where respect begins yeah absolutely and like that i'm just thinking about the absence of judgment or noticing the judgment and going underneath the surface of that going well no we're all connected like and to ourselves too the internal part of this like how often do i wake up in the morning and start judging myself when i get in front of the mirror and i'm like oh man you know and so it's like actually to go under the surface of all that busyness and like to love to love and to connect it's like wow thank you for sharing this because this is like so inspiring i I just now i just want to see people in a different light (laughs) well well it's true and it's possible we can see people in a different light immediately right like a lot of times we think oh it'll take me a long time i'll have to read a lot of books i'll have to watch a lot of movies i'll have to go to a lot of courses seminars workshops in order to get to that place Uh uh-huh that's not true. We don't have to do that. We can suddenly change it's immediate. how we think. We can. It could be in a, like a snap. Yeah, just it can be in a split second. Wow. It's a choice. Perspective. It's a choice. Oh, this it is, is so a choice. good. I love this stuff. This is like <laughs> so inspiring. Um, there's a couple other things that are pulling here. I, one, I want to know, are you, are you still currently doing quite a bit of work in the schools? I still do quite a bit of work, yeah, in you the do. schools. I go in and I, I teach about bullying. I teach about, you know... Uh, mindfulness. Yeah, that's that's my love at this point. Is this is teaching awesome. about mindfulness. And like, where do people find you to to connect to that aspect? And and to I mean, you got to listen to Mindfulness Mode, the podcast, Bruce Langford Mindfulness Mode. Check that out. But where do they connect with you in terms of the bullying uh, work? 
in schools and the, all this. Well, that is where a lot of people connect with me through Mindfulness Mode, and that's mindfulnessmode.com. Yeah. And uh, because I'm so busy with so many things, I, I just find that things just come to me. Yes. Things happen. People reach out to me and ask me to speak here or present there or whatever. So I haven't done a huge amount with my online presence. Yeah. But people find me at mindfulnessmode.com. That's awesome. Yeah. it's uh, You've just got this really amazing way of combining so many gifts and skills, like from what started with music, but then teaching, and then this whole part of mindfulness and forgiveness and service. And it's just like there's so many gifts oozing out of you. It's uh Really amazing that you're doing this work in the world right now. Thank you, yeah. Keith. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, man, I want to talk to you so like all day. This is like the coolest thing. But there's one last thing I wanted to do, and just I want to honor you and your wife's anniversary today. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's our 19th anniversary today, yes. 19 years married. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. I think it's yeah. just really uh, a gift to have you on the show, particularly today. With that being the case and with all that's happened in the last month and just the chance for you to come here and share, it's, um, it's a real gift to all of us. So I thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to be here, Keith. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, we'll stay in touch. And uh, again, mindfulnessmode.com, Bruce Langford, highly recommended as a podcast and just to get to know more about this guy. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. All right. Well, that was Bruce Langford from Mindfulness Mode joining us. Bruce has so many great insights and is doing such great work on the planet. Make sure to check out his podcast. I tell you, it's so good. And um, hopefully he'll come back on and join us again for more. Remember also to go to my website, keithmcpherson.ca, and take advantage of the special right now on my brand new online course around making sense of mindfulness. I really hope you'll consider it. It's a great way to bring some peace into this time of year. I look forward to seeing you next week on Let's Connect. Have a great week, everyone, and take care.